This is Detention, a podcast dedicated to candid conversations about education. I'm your host, Dr. Nadia Lopez, a global leader, author, speaker, coach, consultant, and entrepreneur who opened a school to close a prison. Join me as I share my insights and bring fellow disruptors to serve time in conversation. Rebels, let's get into some good trouble. This episode is being brought to you by Elevated BLK, which focuses on personal development and sustainability for educators. We offer live and on-demand courses that help you to build your skills, see your vision, or pivot from the position. You can check out our apparel line, join our newsletters, or even see the books that we offer by visiting www.elevatedblk.com. May 7th begins the celebration of Teacher Appreciation Week. It's a time when school leaders get together with the PTA and they often acknowledge the teachers through breakfast, lunch, many pampering days that include massages. There may be some performances by the young scholars. Uh, And sometimes they give out awards and even flowers as a gesture to say thank you. But we all know that teachers deserve it all. And I mean the good ones, because there's so much that goes into the position that is unspoken. You know, it's the good teachers who pour into their scholars every single day by offering them encouragement and praise that acknowledges their efforts. And this is what builds confidence in many who lack it from home. And you think about the good teachers who are the ones building relationships And so they're able to pay attention to when a child's mood changes and they recognize that something is off. So with that, they provide the safe space where that child has a sense of belonging and can feel like they've been heard, even when sometimes they don't even say a word. It is those good teachers who know how to celebrate their young people in different ways. You know, sometimes it's a shout out They make creative TikTok videos because there's so many teachers on TikTok now. They have these bulletin boards that put the pictures of students on their walls and, and have their names and information about them or just customizing gifts that they give out throughout the year. Good teachers are the ones who are creating these learning experiences that you don't forget and they plan and execute, thinking about what indelible mark they're going to leave. Good teachers, they give selflessly. And I say that because you know how many times they go into their pockets to pay for food, supplies, even washing the clothing of children who lack housing security? And then they stay in the relationships beyond the school time and have seen those young people either go to college, start their own family, but they get to being with pride seeing that young person succeed. How many of us can say that we've been influenced by a teacher? You know, the one who we looked forward to being at the school building, standing in front of the classroom, 
greeting us as we came in. And you know, if they were out and they didn't tell you that they were gonna be absent, it was like the worst class experience ever, <laughs> right? Cause that's your favorite teacher. I had so many memories of teachers who influenced my life, but there are two in particular. One was Mrs. Peony. She was my second grade teacher. She stood out because for a very long time I went to an independent black school. And for the first time I was transitioning into public school, which had a much larger class and we didn't wear uniform. And so the kids already knew each other from kindergarten and I was having to acclimate myself. And I didn't even start the first day of school because they were bouncing me around from class to class. Mrs. Peony stood out because her hair, it was kind of like Farrah Fawcett with this flip, but she had dark hair. And she would always wear these very like put together suits, like they were tweed suits, they were camel color. She liked these neutrals with a hint of like a dark red. She was sharp though. And she helped my mom when it came to you know, educating me at home because my mom had a limited education herself. Mrs. Peony put my mom onto Barclays Teacher Store, which was downtown Brooklyn. She gave her a list of books that included reading comprehension, practice books, scientific activities that I could do at home, and even some mathematical problems. And because I was like constantly needing to be challenged and kept busy, I was an only child and I had a ferocious appetite for learning. She told my mom, give her this on weekends or you know, when we have breaks. And I kind of felt like, dang, I can't have a break, but I would do the work quick. And what she was really doing was building my stamina and constantly keeping me prepared that was second grade and I feel like that was 1984. It is now 2003, I mean 2003, Jesus, 2023. And this past Christmas, Mrs. Peony, without fail, sent us a Christmas card. Like that's the type of relationship. I now have a 21 year old daughter and my second grade teacher still sends us a Christmas card. <laughs> and then there was Mrs. O'Leary, who was the sixth grade teacher. Now, Mrs. O'Leary was part of that crew, right? Like when I was growing up, teachers have reputations and you looked forward to getting into that grade level with that particular teacher because everybody talked about how good they were. So you had this anticipation. And so sixth grade being the last grade of elementary school, she was the person you wanted to be in with. Mrs. O'Leary was a firecracker. You know, she was Irish with red hair and she had an edge about her. Not like risque, she was just no nonsense. You know, you know she knew. She wasn't playing with you. She wanted the best from you, but she was also cool. I just, she never wore a skirt like Mrs. Peony. Mrs. Peony would wear a skirt. Now, nah, Mrs. O'Leary wasn't doing that. 
She came in with her khakis, with her, you know, shirt, but it was like these pull-up khakis. It wasn't the proper, you know, suit type of khakis. She had she had her own look. But regardless of what, she kept us all on point. And when it was time for me to apply for junior high school, she walked my mom through the entire process. She made sure I got into the best school. She made sure that the principal wrote a letter of recommendation for me to get into what was considered a competitive junior high school that only accepted 44 students. That was it. The entire school only had 88 kids. There were four classes, so that meant every class had 22 kids in it. And I got in. And that was because of Miss O'Leary. You know, she she took time and I, I'll never forget that. We're Facebook friends now <laughs> to this day. Um, she's older, but she still has the same, same attitude. No nonsense with her post. But it makes me just want to ask you, who is your favorite teacher? You know, can you remember that person who stood out? They had a certain catchphrase that they used certain books that they introduced you to. It was a way that they carried themselves, the way the room looked or smelled or even the teachers who like challenged you that sometimes got on your nerves, but you look back and say, you know, if it wasn't for that teacher, I would never know X, Y, and Z. You know, somehow they make it onto that favorites list. But now that we've gone down memory lane, it's unfortunate to think about how young people today don't have a clue about who's going to be their teacher next year because so many are leaving the profession. And when you ask the question why, the answer is simple. This is hard. This profession, it can sometimes break you. As much as you could love it, as much as you think about what the children are experiencing through your teaching and and how they come alive. You can be undervalued, overwhelmed, underappreciated, expected to do every single thing with no support. You get this low pay and there's no consideration. You know, it sounds so negative. And that's the thing. It starts to feel that way. Let me just say this, when I started teaching, I left a corporate job, right? And I took a $15,000 pay cut. I was working account collections for Verizon, the phone company. Not Verizon, the cell phone. Back then it was Verizon, the landline. I mean, it's still around, but do you understand? I worked seven hour days. I never took work home. I had my weekends off. I got paid every single Thursday, every Thursday without fail. Um, we had holidays off. I had my vacation time. If you work past six o'clock, you automatically got night differential. There were certain times when there were peak times that you had to do overtime, right? Because they needed people to stay. I mean, it wasn't a big deal. I was doing collections. I had a degree, a nursing degree, and I was making just about the same amount that I would have been making as a nurse starting out. Do you understand? Like, 
no pressure and I just have to answer this phone and, and meet this quota of getting people to pay back their bills. It was the good life. And then I decide, well, I'm not feeling fulfilled. So I became a teacher because I just thought about who had the greatest influence in my life besides my parents. And I thought about my daughter and what she would experience in class. And I wanted her to have the very best. So I thought about other kids and I said, I want them to have the very best. And so even with a pay cut, I managed. And I really loved every single one of the scholars in my class. Now, here's the side note. When I moved to Georgia back in 2007, can I tell you that I took another pay cut? I took another pay cut. That time, I think it was like $12,000 or $13,000. I was making $36,000. This is after I got my pay bumps in the New York City Department of Education. So now I went to Georgia and I was like $36,000. And I had two degrees with New York City experience. And I was a special ed teacher. But I digress, because this is really about <laughs> teachers. And when I think back to how much it has changed, I can't even say it's evolved because I would expect that through evolution and transformation it's gotten better, it hasn't. I literally witnessed how policies could be so demanding and unreasonable. You know, there's no child left behind that was back in the early 2000s. It left adults by the wayside because it became all about testing, 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 and then using interventions just to get the kids through the test. That's what it was. Don't leave the kids behind on the test. That's really what it was. And then 10 years later, he came Common Core and it just became a common headache because it was shifting so many standards and as a result, Kids were struggling a lot. Teachers were struggling because what you thought you knew to teach was no longer the thing you should be teaching at that grade level. And it was hard to shift because then the test changed immediately. It was a lot. And so now here we are. And as the curriculum constantly changes every couple of years, so has the technology. And the advancement of technology and social platforms becoming the way of communicating, students really don't have any interest in being in school that long to sit, to learn, to stay engaged. You ask teachers today and they will tell you it's different. It's really different. And the sad part is there's no training around incorporating these things into the instruction. There is still a need to separate the two. There are the savvy teachers who do an exceptional job. They know how to like use TikTok. I mean, during the pandemic, I had my physical education teacher do TikTok challenges. I was like, oh, I need them up and moving. Even if they're sitting at home, they gotta be up and moving. We incorporated the use of social platforms. And guess what? Those kids were on it. 
So what you see now is there's such a lack of investment in teacher development. There's more focus on making sure we putting in these curriculums and software that's just focused on corporate profits and gathering data that is used against us, right? Because it commodifies education. The more data they collect, the more they create, the more you have to buy into that thing that has nothing to do with children exceeding. And who's responsible for the implementation of these things? It's the teachers who know this stuff isn't working. It's not working. And so it's created a divide. And when teachers start to feel like they're failing and they're not working in their passion and they're just existing and then parents are rarely showing up and when they do show up, it's because they wanna talk about whether or not a teacher wronged them. And I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, but no one's seen a parent for a couple of months, almost a year, and they're not concerned if the child is failing, but they just wanna know, did you say something to my child? And the question is, why don't you have the teacher's number? Why don't you have the email? Why, why haven't you been a partner in education? Because that's all they really want you to be. So when everything goes wrong, you know how to come up. But when things are going right, there's not an acknowledgement. Oh, it's exhausting. Right? Just, just saying all that I'm saying, it's, it's exhausting. There's a lot that goes into teaching. There's the management of the classroom. There's the adaptation. And I don't know why I said it so slow. <laughs> it is the adaptation of the constant change that's never being considered. In our profession, things change, I'm telling you, every two to three years. It's insane. You can never master something. Once you think you got it, here comes something else. There's no way with all the scrutiny, all the evaluations, being held accountable for things that's beyond your control. So again, you see the exhaustion? Yeah, people get tired because you become a punching bag. And because of all the responsibilities, teachers are losing sleep. They don't eat on time. They're missing out opportunities to spend with their families. They don't prioritize self-care. Now, when I was a principal, I recognized all of this. And I thought to myself, one of the most important things for me is to value my team. So I made sure that I was gonna create teacher swag. <laughs> I would surprise them with breakfast and lunch. They didn't, you know, sometimes they knew it was coming and sometimes they didn't and they just walked in and there was a spread. I would do uh, love lunches. I would do all type of stuff. I created a morale team because I was like, y'all need to let me know what's going on. You all need to even plan events. Just tell me what you need and I'm there. I would cancel meetings. We supposed to have like these mandatory you know, union negotiated meetings, I'll be the first to say. Sometimes I was just like, yo, go home, just go home. Or just be in your your rooms and finish out whatever you need to finish out. We don't need to meet. I mean, for what? Like it was, it was too much. I contracted massage therapists 
I had a nutritionist come in and talk to my team about things that they're eating and how it impacts their bodies and how to you know improve themselves for the long term. I had a yoga instructor come in every week in the evenings. I would take my staff out to dinners. I hosted award ceremonies. We even did it in a hotel. We we rented out a space so that they could bring their families and we gave them all awards, even the cafeteria staff, because they were part of the family as well. When I saw the potential in teachers and I had conversations, I identified who was ready and we had those conversations because everybody's not ready. They think they are, but they're not. And so I, I would talk them through, like, show me and I'll bring people in and have them go through the process and then they realize I need a little bit more time or they were able to shine and they were ready. They, I would sponsor them for leadership programs. Make sure the budget reflects that they're going into these programs and it's being paid for. Send them to professional developments, whatever they needed. And most importantly, pursue their passions. Pursue it if you could share with the scholars, great. Or pursue it because you are looking to do better and bigger. And so for me, the school was supposed to be a stepping stone, not a chokehold. And that was important. And I also never missed a day as long as I was in the building to check in. Every single day I would check in with somebody. I wanted to make sure they were good. Because there were times that I would just send someone home. I didn't dock their pay. I did not uh, uh, charge them for a day. I'm like, you know what? I'll take over your class. I treated them like human beings. I took over their class because it was important for me to still stay connected to the classroom and for the scholars to understand how important the teachers were for me to have them take a step away. But also, I'm not one to be played with. <laughs> I'm not here to play. I'm still a teacher. I will still come in this classroom. I will still teach you. And so my regard for the profession, oh, it was, it was real. And it was very much a priority. And I did these things because you get to the end of the year and you're dead tired, right? And the fact that Teacher Appreciation Week comes towards the end, it's like the last, hoorah, come on, you could do it. It's like the marathon. I kind of feel like it's unfair. It's almost like the guilt of you've had this tough time, but here we are. We want to celebrate you. It's just like principal's month is in October. No one remembers that. School just started. Don't No one remembers. No one's caring at that moment because people are trying to catch up for all the learning loss. So you forget that principals are even a conversation. But again, I digress. Here's what we got to remember. These teachers... They're waking up every single day reconsidering their career choices. And they're thinking about leaving the school that they're currently at because they don't feel valued, not by their leaders, sometimes not by their peers, and even the children and the families that they're serving. And we know that teachers deserve to get paid well, and they're not. Many of them are living below the standards of what is considerable considered livable wages right and they're taking on multiple jobs just to make ends meet with degrees out here what is this world saying we value 
You're not saying you value teachers, yet it is the profession that impacts every industry because every young person, even if they dropped out at some point and they're doing a job where they didn't need their college degree, they went through elementary, middle, or high school. So here's the thing. There needs to be advocacy, especially from parents, to demand that teachers get paid their worth to show up at the school board meetings, to show up the, at the governor's office with petitions or when they're voting, to show up when it's time to vote for the president, when, when it's time to vote for the mayor, especially like New York City. Teachers get paid based on negotiations with the union. But outside of that, you know, if it's not a unionized state, it all comes down to the governor and it comes down to school boards and, and so, Parents, you don't want your kids learning at home with you 24 seven because it was hard during the pandemic. Show up. That's all we're asking. And schools need to be safe spaces for educators. It's important for them to have psychological and physical safety because the amount of issues that come into the school building, you have no idea. You know, I remember when I would tell people when I was a teacher what I did for a living. And the first thing they would say is, God bless you. Right? Because nobody wants this job. They don't want it. It's, it's too much. So it almost becomes the babysitting service. I put my kids in that school for them to be taken care of. And then when they're done with the day, they come home. You have now said to the world, to your child, that there is a separation between education and the home life. What happens in school stays in school. What happens at home is separate and apart. It's not how that works, right? And so ultimately you have children who come in with psychological issues because of the traumas they, they experience at home. Sometimes they're dealing with separations of parents, right? Like. I've had a lot of that where kids are dealing with hell. I went through it when I was a kid. Your family dynamics are changing. And so you don't know how to express yourself. And sometimes it comes out of anger. It comes out of sadness, um, becoming reclusive. And that comes into the classroom. Poverty has its own set of vicarious traumas that is just... If you've never been in these type of communities, you just don't know. It's hard. And you have to have really tough skin. Because people who go through pain don't know how to do anything but inflict it. Because it's survival for them. That's real life. And then you have the nerve to have to be in a school environment. And I don't want to say it like that, like you have the nerve because nobody chooses. But when school environments are toxic, it's like, are you serious? We have a space for children. This should not be what we're experiencing. But it happens. And it's harmful. And no one deserves that. So what's important is to create those safe spaces, but also creating opportunities where teachers can advance themselves whether that's creating pipelines into educational leadership programs, 
That's them becoming team leads or transitioning into being a coach that supports other teachers in the building. Providing the access that's needed for professional development that's going to give them, you know, all types of experiences, values that are added through skills they develop that they can add to their toolkit of their careers or go into another profession. But it's important to invest in your human capital and that's what teachers are. And then, you know, just sitting with teachers and getting to know how they feel and what they want out of life and encouraging them. They need that. See, validation can go a really long way. We don't recognize it. There are so many people who stay at their schools just simply because they love the environment, they love how they are treated, and they are appreciative of it. And for me, this profession has become such a revolving door and it saddens me when I see some of the good teachers leaving. Because all we want is the very best for children. That's all we want. But it goes without saying what we want for the children. We need to have the same expectations for the teachers. So I hope you got something out of that. And um, I want to just say that in the next couple of weeks, the next couple of episodes, I will be sharing interviews with teachers. Yes, interviewing teachers and talking about the challenges, but also the joy of what the profession has um, given them and, you know, their own take about what can improve because they're in the classrooms and they have great insight. And I want to encourage you, please, 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 please check out uh, www.elevatedblk.com and check out the store. I'll put all of this in the show notes, but I have a line. It's We're Elevated and it's through um, elevated.com, which is a sponsor of our show. And so you can pick up some swag. There is t-shirts and sweatshirts that are geared towards educators, celebrating teachers. Um, If you're in a sorority or fraternity, we've even created swag that's based off of the colors of the sororities and fraternities. And, you know, I'm all into celebrating the natural coils of our hair. Um, So there's a lot of t-shirts like Hair to Teach, Hair for It, but it's H-A-I-R, Her Heritage. Um, you know, they're fun, but they also speak volumes and it's connected to education. So check it out. And so until next time, please be well and take gentle care of yourselves. Thank you for serving time with me here in detention. Don't forget to subscribe and to tell a friend so that this way you're up to date on new episodes that will drop every week. You can also follow us on Instagram at Detention Podcast. If you want to learn more about my services as a coach, consultant, and keynote speaker, go to www.thelopezeffect.com. And let's stay connected on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram 
by following me on my handle, The Lopez Effect. Lastly, if you have any topic ideas, questions or comments, or want to sponsor future episodes, please send me an email at detentionwithdrnadialopez at gmail.com. All of this information will be in the show notes, so don't worry if you didn't get it down. I also want to send a gentle reminder to my disruptors and rebels. It's okay for us to get into a little bit of good trouble, but please take gentle care of yourself, be well, and never forget to choose you.